Welcome to Remote First, a podcast about designing a workplace that is transparent, inclusive, and empowered to work remotely. I'm your host, Daphne Laforet. This podcast is made possible thanks to Remotive, the world's largest remote work community. It's a job board and a media specialized in helping companies hiring remotely. Question for you. How have you been changing your working and communication behavior to better fit the purpose of having a remote-first approach in your current role? And on this point, what does remote-first even mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that your company works or will work remotely 100% without any offices forever. It simply means rethinking the way we collaborate and work to think remote-first instead of office-first. And this is because if I think all employees are remote in the way I'm working every day, whatever if some of my teammates are in the same room as me or not, I will by default be including everyone on the same level in the way I share my work or update my work, etc. So if you want to be successful in a hybrid setup, this is even more important if you want the whole team to feel included on the same level. And it starts with the way we communicate and the way we expect to collaborate in a virtual setting. Spencer Waldron is what I call a master of communication. He is the director of global communication at Prezi, where he led the company transition to a fully functioning remote-first team since last year. He is a strong supporter of redefining the way we interact, and I really wanted to get his two cents on the topic. So I'm super happy to welcome you, Spencer. Hi, excited to be here. (laughs) Me too. I'm so excited we're finally having this discussion together. You are the most experienced team members at Prezi in remote work. Uh, pretty much, yes. Prezi's always been uh, a hybrid setup. So we have three physical offices and then there's remote teams. But yeah, I've been remote with Prezi for six years and I was also remote two years previous to that. So yeah, eight years. <laughs> well, this should have been probably a very handy situation for them when everybody had to suddenly go fully remote. You have been probably very helpful in the process. So how has it been for you actually last year in uh, 2020 with the pandemic? And how has it been for you? You know, purely from a work perspective, you know, for me, it was a little bit business as usual, because obviously I'm used to the whole remote setup. What I found quite interesting actually was for me, for me personally, it actually became a better situation. Because, you know, when we were the hybrid setup, there was always when I was doing meetings on Zoom, for example, we would have like, I don't know, five or six people in an office, some people that were remote. So it was a real mix. And what you suddenly realized is when everybody is in a in a room, say there's six people in a room, it's really hard to see facial expressions. You, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you can't really see people very well. You don't read body language. Sometimes people are talking and they're not close to the microphone. So it can be, you know, and what I suddenly found, and it took me a while to realize it, is all of a sudden everybody is in their own individual Zoom picture so on on a personal level for me I suddenly thought wow I suddenly I have so many more signals coming from people now but obviously you felt like everyone was in the same situation as you yes yeah exactly it's always you know and I guess people don't realize that who have not been remote before what's been happening this year is when you're in that meeting where you see six people in a room actually it's really hard to read Uh, signals from people outside of the words that they say 
Um, and of course, you know, we, we read a lot into body language, even if we don't realize that we do it. So, yeah, so for me, it's, you know, I, I really like the fact that I see everybody individually in, in, the, in the Zoom calls. But yeah, but the flip side for that is obviously, you know, for other people who've not been remote, then that was a big change for them. And mm -hmm. I definitely spent a lot of time, uh, you know, both with our HR team, but also with, you know, other teams inside Prezi to, I guess, like download some of the things that I've learned along the way that have helped me in terms of how I manage my time, how I manage, how I, you know, do meetings, all these kind of things. So, yeah, so I suddenly found myself playing a role inside the company that I hadn't done previously so much. What have you heard that was the most popular frustration from your team members who were suddenly going remote and never had experienced what you have experienced before? I think the thing that people found the hardest was, you know, again, because we, we have the backdrop, which I guess is similar to a lot of companies where we have offices in different countries and time zones. So that's one layer of complication. And when people were going into an office, the office time was, you know, very cut and clear for work. Whereas when what happened this year and everybody's suddenly working from home and obviously in the in the first half of the year in Europe and it's still the case in the US is that all of the schools were closed as well so suddenly if for example you had children they were also in the house you if you have a partner they were also in the house working so suddenly you were having to manage lots of different things connected to your time and you know some people didn't have a great environment to work in because maybe they had a place that was too small or too noisy or they shared it with lots of people. Or, you know, some people had lots of children, you know, making lots of noise. So I think what the, the, the most common frustration was my time suddenly has different pressures on it. And, and, I, and I guess what everybody did because you know this is why humans are so good and how we manage to cope with with what happened uh, but we we copy pasted what we were doing in the office and we just kept going but we we're all working from home and I think as the year started to unfold then a lot of it was trying to understand okay we need to start fine-tuning this because it kind of works but it's not perfect and long term this is gonna you know be quite quite a painful ride so we have to change some of the things that we're doing. Many of your teammates definitely discovered remote work in a negative approach, I would say, because most remote workers know that there is what people have been living in 2020 is not real remote work. Like nobody wants to work full time with their kids at home and while doing homeschooling. And, you know, we've been living a very weird year. And what do you think outside of that? you know, struggles from home and the things that are you know, very specific to the pandemic. If we focus more on the work they've been doing every day and the communication they had to go through uh, every day, what do you think was the main frustration apart from what we couldn't control because of the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess c communication is, is the other big one because how people were communicating changed as well because everybody lost the oh we can just talk you know 
you, you kind of lost the, oh, I can just turn around in my chair, tap somebody on the shoulder and have a conversation. It was now people are talking on many different channels. You know, obviously Slack became one of the key touch points for people, email, video calls. Obviously we do a lot of, uh, you know, we have a big focus on async communication. So there's, a, you know, a lot of async video, async written communication. So all of a sudden there was communication just completely changed. So I think people were understanding that you, you know, quite rightly that you have to have different processes and agreements between teams of people in terms of this is how we communicate. This is where we store information. This is, you know, even to the point where we, you know, at, at a local team level will agree on, okay, this is what certain emoticons mean inside Slack mm. because that prevents misunderstanding or it speeds up things. So I think, you know, just that understanding that, yeah, the way we communicate has changed because of what happened, but that also means we need to be a bit more mindful of, of how we communicate, when we communicate, you know, how we ask people to, and when we ask people to attend meetings, like it's, you know, well, it's a huge topic that we could probably talk about for the whole day, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just that understanding that you need to, to change. I mean, it's just funny that you say about the, emo the emoji that we're using, because they can so be interpre interpreted in different ways. And in the era now where we're just starting to use written communication a lot, we're using emoji much more. Yeah. And for one person, it might be a very positive emoji. For another person, it might be a very arrogant emoji or yeah. a passive aggressive emoji. So you say that you created some sort of a, a guideline for emojis? Not, How does not, it work? Not for all emojis, but, you know, it kind of connects to... You know, I guess it connects to the way that everybody is working slightly differently on different time schedules. So, for example, you know, you may have been used to when everybody was working the same hours with the same kind of pressures, then people respond really quickly to things. Whereas now you need to accept that maybe people can't react to something really quickly. I mean, obviously, if it's something that's really important and urgent, then yes. But so we, for example, like there might be an emo a particular emoji that a, a, a team will use that they will use to say, I've seen your message. I can't do I can't deal with it right now, but I'll come back to you. So it's a very quick way to say, I acknowledge you. I've listened. I've seen what you've said, but I can't deal with that just right now, but I'll come back to you. So I think even in small ways like that can make a big difference because then, you know, it, it's almost like this quick way to communicate with somebody that everybody understands what it is. Um, but yeah, beyond that, you're right in terms of, you know, certain emojis will mean different things in different countries and cultures. And, you know, Prezi, we have people from... I can't remember what the number is now, but it's many, many, many different countries around the world. So, yeah, you always have to be mindful of cultural differences on things like that as well. And around this aspect as well, you were talking about, you know, respecting everyone's schedule or, or mindset or work reality. So, uh, you know, I've acknowledged your message and then now I'm going to go back to it. So it seems like this is something that's quite important in now remote setup where you really have a lack of awareness of everyone's reality and you have to be much more aware of or not much more aware but much more listening or having more empathy for everyone's reality 
and that it's not necessarily the same as yours. So how do you organize this at the moment or how are you suggesting your teammates to work or reassess the way they're working to be better at working remotely? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a number of things here. I mean, you know, for, I guess it's rooted in empathy. So, you know, a lot of it is having the time or spending the time to understand at, at a team level, you know, what each person in your team, what's their you know, day going to look like roughly, because I think that's the starting point, because one of the things we've done a lot of is looking at how, you know, how people spend time or how people see time or how people value time is very, very different. So if you're a more senior person in the company and you look at that person's calendar, her calendar is probably full of meetings back to back because her job is to keep the organization moving forward, green light projects, make decisions. But if you're an engineer, for example, your calendar is going to look very different because you actually have to do the deep work. You have to write the code. And if the person who's got a very, very busy calendar calls a meeting in the middle of the time when somebody would normally do a deep work, if they're an engineer, for example, then that can cause a lot of problems to that person's day. Because if you don't have that focus time and you get pulled out of it and you go to a meeting it will take your brain to a completely different place you'll probably get something else that, that you need to think about and it will take you a long time to get back into that into that frame of mind for working so one of the things we we try to do is really as local teams and wider departments and at a company level obviously it changes each time you add more people but is have a general feeling for okay this is when people can do deep work this is when people do async communication this is when people uh, do meetings to kind of help that as much as possible and one of the tools that not everybody but a lot of us use is clockwise which is like an add-in like a, a chrome plugin and that's really good because you can even have it uh, plugged into slack so for example if i want to go and talk to somebody on slack it will tell me this person is now in focus time so it's mm. it's it's a good filter to think okay so is this urgent enough that i have to interrupt that or and hopefully it won't interrupt them because hopefully they've got their notifications off and they won't see uh something because that's their focus time but i think anything you can do like that to have an awareness of okay you know is this an emergency or is this something i just want to put out there that they will come back to me later so i think there's a mixture of tools that you can use and also just that you know having that time to understand what people's days look like are the teammates or are the teams having a system in place which enable them to write down somewhere maybe the way they work so they are aware of everyone's schedule reality yeah we each most teams have their own guidebook if you like like a, a remote work guidebook and, th and that can document many different things so it can you know really get where do you host it is it somewhere as a it's like a t page or what do you do you have like a, a blog post yeah. do you have a blog post about it <laughs> most of it's on confluence so that's where most of those are kept but that that also raises another interesting question because you know when you look at you know, and, and this is, like I think, what everybody's going to be doing now, looking forward to next year as well. But, you know, if you want to in, improve the team's effectiveness, then those are the kind of questions you need to ask. You know, 
where do you hold certain bits of information? Where do you collect documents? Um, but yeah, but you mean uh, as a company or as yeah, a an individual? Exactly. Yeah. So you know, there's certain questions we definitely look at in terms of you know how and where do you collect documents, because I think that's that's an important process to have in place so you understand okay this is where we go for information this is where decisions happen and and many other things but yeah but the remote guides stored on confluence and each team can have very different things some people will have a lot of almost like more like mental health aspects to it in terms of make sure you take breaks get outside once a day if you can you know all the you know don't uh, sit on the sofa for too long because it can hurt your back so you know there's a lot of things that are geared towards how can we make sure that people stay you know healthy happy things like that uh, but it can also outline here's how as a team we're going to make decisions or here's uh, as a team how we're going to communicate or these are when you know we'll have one main meeting a week to catch up but then we need to also ensure that we do regular coffee meetups or whatever it is so i think it's you need to give people the ability to do stuff at a at a very small local level um because lots of teams you know when i look at all the teams inside prezi a lot of them work in very different ways and the the personality and the culture of each team means that they'll want to do something slightly different so i think it's really hard to do something from a top-down level, I think you almost need to give, you know, empower people to do stuff at a more local level. From what I'm hearing from you, it seems like different teams have different reality, different ways of working. So there's no way for all the teams to maybe have a have a company-wide approach to communication of like, okay, us at Prezi, this is how we work or this is how we are communicating how we are documenting documenting stuff you're saying that there is absolutely no connection between the teams there's every teams have different ways of handling their own work workflows or uh, frameworks of the way they work not really it's more there are there are kind of 30,000 foot level ways that we work but each team can fine-tune it so for example because you know we have may i don't know roughly half of the team say in the us and half of the team in europe um so almost by default we have this window of time you know if we're if we're using european time between like three in the afternoon and seven in the evening where people in the us are awake and people in europe are still at work um and you know we can have meetings where you've got people across uh, across borders so just by that one thing that starts to anchor you know if i look at my calendar for example obviously i have more meetings towards the end of the day because that's what works because of the time zones so i think there is always you know away you know and we have all hands meetings and we have you know more like kind of larger team meetings as well so that there are those things that go across the whole con- uh, company and we use this you know we use the same tool set um across the company but maybe it slightly changes you know some teams prefer to use confluence more others prefer to store things in say Airtable or something like that um, right. so I think you know th- th- there's always that flexibility for a team to do certain things and I think where you have activities that are cross team 
then that's where you have more the global directives in terms of okay so if we're going to create a job then it's done in this and this is how we communicate etc etc but so yeah so it's not absolute it's like there is a global view but people can you know tweak it and refine it to work for that particular team right and for you you are a communication expert as i was saying you know your your role says you know that you're the director of global communication it's a it's very handy to be able to communicate so well you're an amazing communicator if you were to share to companies how to adapt their communication strategy for the future or have a new way of work mindset what would you say to them about the thing they should do clearly related to communication Yeah, well, it's it's a big topic to open. I think, you know, the the first thing is have an understanding that, you know, how people make decisions is pretty similar because it's rooted in biology and, you know, there's like an emotional side to a decision and there's a, a rational side to the decision. And I think a lot of the time when we're trying to communicate, we, you know, normally a lot of people default to the rational here's the proof or here's the evidence here's why we need to do this this is you know but actually people forget that you need people to emotionally connect to what it is that's happening and that you know is more about talking about the the place that we're trying to get to so i think how do you translate that into a into an organizational communication thing that's about talking about the north star if everybody has an understanding of here's the north star of where we're trying to get to this is what we're trying to do and that can be done in a way that helps people connect to it whether that's the mission behind the company or the team or a new product whatever it is and then beyond that then you can put those kind of more rational stepping stones in place so i think that as like a, as a, as a base level and then i think you know at the moment it's it's trying to find this balance between you know communicating more than you perhaps would have done when you were you know everybody was in an office so i think over communication becomes really really important uh, and over sharing and, and repetition because people have a lot of things that they're dealing with so you know picking picking the most important messages and making sure that they're repeated to make sure that you know it's retained but at the same time you know going back to what we spoke about earlier in terms of how people use different time use time differently then you know you have to figure out how do you balance that over communication with people still need exactly. that time to work and things like that so that's a uh, it's a bit that's of an, same, an elegant dance. that's exactly the same thing um like we always say to over communicate i always say you know over communicate remotely we have to over communicate but it can become quite overwhelming yeah. <laughs> in the communication uh setup where we have where we are mostly instant messaging we are doing video meetings we are you know if we're over communicating is there a way to over communicate in a good way or in a, in a more structured way Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's two things here. One is it doesn't have to be uh, very long, in-depth pieces of communication. I think the just the, you know, taking five minutes at the beginning of a meeting to really ask questions and figure out how people are feeling. Uh, and obviously that can be 
even that is complex because you know some people are more extrovert some people are more introvert some people are willing to share more some people are happy to share if it's an individual meeting as opposed to a group meeting so there's a lot of elements to even that but i think like checking in with people and trying to figure out the pulse of the people that you're working with that particular day because i think you know people especially at the moment people have good days bad days so i think you know just that constant awareness or empathy of like okay you know i'm a big believer in the and it sounds sounds strange but i call it almost like the hidden emotional agenda because Mm. you know you, you might have somebody on your team that you think okay it's their job to do a b and c so this is what you're thinking but actually their ability to do a b and c can be heavily impacted by what's going on underneath how are they feeling that day? Did they have an argument with somebody that morning? Are they worried about money? You know, did their partner lose their job? Uh, maybe the kids are having a tough time. You know, th- oh my God, there's so many things at the moment. So I think it's that, you know, just that trying to have a, a bit of a compass, internal compass for like, okay, what's going on? So I, th- I think that's where I would err on the over-communicate. And then I think the other way, the, the other side of that is you know and i guess this is a project that we're we're working a lot on at the moment is how you can go deeper with asynchronous communication because you know what we see and this is i think something that everybody will feel is that you know this whole kind of fatigue around video meetings is okay how can we how can we reduce that a little bit and i think you know the single most important question that you can ask is what is this meeting for because if it's one person talking only or we're taking it in turns to talk, i.e. a status update meeting, then that doesn't need to be a meeting. You know, if you look at structuring that as a short piece of video content that somebody can watch in their uh, async communication part of the day, not in their, you know, focus time, that can really, really help reduce the pressure in people's calendars. So what we're always looking for is, okay, how can we shorten a meeting by saying, okay, instead of somebody talking for 20 minutes at the beginning of a meeting, you can record a five-minute video and, you know, obviously send it to the team. They get to listen to it uh, multiple times so they can digest it and have time to think about, okay, how might I want to reply to that? And then when you actually have the meeting, first of all, the meeting can be shorter, but you can also use that meeting for discussion, decision-making, and how to move forward. So you can definitely- Even connection with your teammates. Exactly, yeah. Focusing on video meeting for the essence of we lack of human connection, we want to spend more time together, create a space to be able to discuss together instead of always be back-to-back meeting. because to me, like, I think it's interesting to bring this, it's a good idea to bring the um, asynchronous video video meetings or video uh, recordings. Yeah. Because then you don't have to, to just sit in front of your laptop and listen to all the different updates. But I think many companies, what they're doing is they, they want to recreate the office. They want to recreate that human connection. So they say like as much video as possible so you can keep a connection with your teammates but then if these meetings are always about work and always about okay well, this is what we're doing today this is what we're going to do tomorrow this is the decision we've made then we really lose this human connection that you usually have when you're 
face to face. So how do you also use video calls for keeping that culture or that connection between employees? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a mixture of stuff, you know, first of all, it's, you know, having meetings where it's nothing to do with work. So if you know from the outset that, okay, this is going to be a 15, 20 minute meeting, you can call it whatever you like. But this is just about, you know, catching up with somebody. It's the, you know, because I think you have to be more purposeful in terms of replacing some of the things that happened in the office. We've also looked at doing fun stuff where, I don't know, you get a team of people and everybody gives their, I don't know, something you didn't know about that person, like a hidden, like a secret, not even a secret, but like a, you know, just mm -hmm. something you probably didn't know about this person. And we'll do it as a bit of a fun way for people to get to know each other. You can do a lot of stuff with, you know, take, for example, the whole onboarding of new people when they join the company now. That's also done by video. So you can have a lot of fun with video-based onboarding of new people and getting people to introduce by video again that doesn't have to be live all the time it can be pre-recorded pre as well so i think there's a lot of ways that you can use video to you know kind of replace some of those more human moments but yeah at the end of the day it, it doesn't replace a hundred percent being in person this is you know this is something that you know we all miss is having that kind of real live in-person human connection so i think you know you've got to find that balance between okay we need to do some things to keep it going but you know whilst we understand that it's not it's not going to be as good as the real thing and we don't necessarily need to replace it it can just be because remote work is something different if we're trying to say we're going to do what what we did in the office needs to be feeling exactly the same remotely I, th I think this is some a way to to fail in this transition yeah because in the end it will never be the same so all you can do is reinvent the way that you are working collaborating communicating getting stuff done and not compare it to the office because in the end you will always be disappointed of not being able to to stop by the coffee machine and have a chat and uh, talk about your weekend or something like this this yeah. the, the human part the other the other way that you can look at it is you can also use what's happened as an advantage in the sense that you know okay maybe you you start analyzing okay what meetings need to be I need to be at my desk in front of my screen and what meetings maybe I could do say when I'm out for a walk so for example if you're going to do I don't know a brainstorm for example or you need to I don't know discuss something then that could be something that you decide you know it's almost like doing a walk-in meeting and I do this quite a bit where I'll just walk from the apartment to the to the park and have that call with somebody which technically is a video meeting but it feels very very different and you can get a lot of human connection by changing the environment that you have that meeting in now a lot of meetings you can't do that because you want to be in front of your screen you want to control the environment more maybe the ambient noise is not good outside but i think it's just having that flexibility to see okay i can do different different types of meetings in different environments still like uh it's also much better for your health to be able to go outside and go walk around a little bit than just stay inside your home all day yeah it's a good sure. uh, it's a good idea for moving and stay active yeah 
And what do you think the future will look like in terms of communication practices in the workplace? You know, as we go and more and more people are working in a distributed, distributed setup, what do you think it would look like in the future, the way we will communicate? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I think we've, de you know, as everybody's talk spoken about, that we've definitely accelerated the whole remote work agenda this year. And I think, you know, we'll probably find that a lot of companies will have some kind of hybrid setup when, you know, when things start to change again. But I think even that opens up an interesting idea of, okay, what's what does a hybrid setup look like? What's the office for now? Because maybe it's not about lots and lots and lots and lots of desks where people sit and work. Maybe the office is about connection. You know, that's mm -hmm. about different types of meeting rooms. Maybe it's about um, a bank of desks where, or where spaces where people can work together and people still work from home three days a week, but two days a week. You know, so I think like in, in the same way that you can break open communication by looking how you can do async video as well as live video can completely change and free an organization in terms of communication i think the same will happen when physical spaces come back into it like you know and i guess it's asking the big questions you know what is this meeting for what is this space for but it's hard because you know you're dealing with many decades and decades of of this is how it's done <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. and yep. you know I, i'm a Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in the the adage about culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think, you know, it's not just about making a decision that, hey, maybe we can do async communication. It's it's thinking about, okay, what does that look like on a, you know, at a team level and trying to figure out how each team, you know, I think it's almost, it needs to come from the bottom up in a way and not the top down. That there needs to be the, the approval from top down to make big changes like that but i think it's it has to come from the ground up and what should these people from the ground up what should the employees and remote workers those who want this to work should do to to have a good influence for the company to to move in the right the right way yeah yeah i mean i, I think at the moment you know one of the most important people that companies need to take care of at the moment is their employees because you know it, you know for all of the things that we've spoken about already but i just think you know finding ways that will make their immediate way of working a lot better and, and async communication can definitely do that ultimately is going to make the teams more effective and make the work better and that goes to make customers happier at the end of the day so i think it's really looking at okay how can we We copy-pasted from the office. It was okay. It worked. It was clunky. But it's, you know, you see where the cracks are. So what we need to do is look at, okay, how can we, even taking something as gigantic but simple as, what is this meeting for? Does it need to be in the same way that it was in the office? Why can't the jumping off information be done in a five-minute video that everybody watches when it's suitable for them in their async time? You know, and it's a huge change, but it's something that can be really powerful. So I think it's it's if people, you know, and you feel it a lot out there at the moment that people are getting 
fatigue with the way things are being done at the moment because we're still stuck to this idea about how things should be um, but yeah it's not easy it's when you're dealing with culture it's it's not an easy or quick quick thing to change it's definitely not easy but I feel like we've covered quite well today how you know communication is such an important aspect for a successful remote work and I uh, really would like to thank you for sharing your insights with our listeners You're welcome. It was really nice to talk with you. Thank you for tuning in to Remote First. You can find all links and show notes in the episode description. And if you found value in this show, we'd love your rating on your listening app of choice. Thank you for being here. See you next time.